Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Curiosity Project. I'm Steve Shepard. On a recent business trip to Singapore, I ran into an old friend of mine who works over there, and and uh, he mentioned to me that he had just finished reading my Optical Networking Crash Course book, but he also noticed and observed that I didn't have very much to say in the book about submarine optics, about optical cables that are you know, laid across the oceans and so on. And I said, yeah, you're right. I said, uh, first of all, the book is really targeted more at people who do terrestrial optical stuff, and more importantly, living in Vermont as I do, I have very little opportunity to... Uh, to see or or get exposure to uh, to the to submarine part of the business, he said. So so you've you've never had an opportunity to see a cable ship, then? I said, No, of course not. He said, Would you like to? I said, Is that a question? <laughs> and he explained that a good friend of his was at the time the president of Asia Global Crossing, and that they had a ship in port, and that if I wanted, he could probably set up a tour. So he went away to make a telephone call, and when he returned, he told me it's all set up. We will tour the ship on Friday. So here we are. Uh, Friday morning has arrived. We took a taxi down to the industrial pier in the city where we got on this this ancient scabby work boat which is taking us out to the wave venture. It's anchored a few miles offshore there. As we approach the vessel I'm amazed how big she is. She's 142 meters long. It's a cable-laying and maintenance ship that was originally built as a passenger ferry back in 1982 and then converted to being a cable ship in 2000. They tell me that she can stay at sea for as long as 40 days without resupplying food or equipment, and she has a crew complement of about 62 people. We boarded the ship via a starboard boarding ladder and gathered on the fantail where Martin Swafield, the master of the ship, begins the tour. We climbed up several flights of stairs to the driving bridge where he explained the principal responsibilities of the ship and its crew, which is cable maintenance. Swafield and his people locate cables, pull them up from the bottom, find the problem, repair it, and then drop the cable back onto the seafloor. They also lay cable. They can put down as much as 15 kilometers a day depending on the makeup of the bottom and on any obstacles they might have to avoid. And they do it all remotely using a robot that goes down and does all of the trenching and all of the labor. Nobody has to get wet. I asked Captain Swafield what the biggest problem is that they face on a regular basis. The answer surprised me. Unexploded ordnance, he responded. We often pull up a cable that's been fouled in a fishing net, and in the attempt to free the dragnet, the fishing boat damages the cable. Unfortunately, there's a lot of unexploded ordnance down there, he said, that's been dropped into the ocean, sometimes intentionally, sometimes by accident. It's often the case that when the wave venture drags up a cable for repair, Uh, They find an unexploded mine or a bomb in the net dangling behind the stern of the ship. At that point, they stop all operations, call whatever navy's closest, and ask them to come deal with it. Meanwhile, everybody clusters on the bow of the vessel. Good call. We're now on the positioning bridge, which is a separate control room that's used to hold the ship on station during cable operations. Naturally, it faces toward the stern of the vessel so that Captain Swafield and his team can observe what's going on below. Needless to say, when this, when this particular bridge is being used, the ship is stationary. From the windows of the positioning bridge, I can see the entire working area of the ship. 
Below me on the right is the control room for the robot. It looks like a shipping container. For all I know, that's what it might have been at one time. On the left is the robot itself, which hangs from a giant crane. And way off in the distance is the stern of the ship, where cables are retrieved for repair or returned to the sea. And running from the stern back to the midships area are the stands that support the cable while it's out of the water. I'm now down at deck level immediately below where I was standing when I was in the positioning bridge. Now we're walking into a covered area of the deck that looks like a giant garage. On the left is a structure that looks kind of like a big gigantic walk-in refrigerator and that's exactly what it is. It's a freezer where the repeaters are kept. These things cost a million dollars a piece and they have very sensitive electronics in them. They're kept cold so that the electronics aren't shocked when they get dumped overboard after they've been installed on cables. Now, to the right over here is a small room where fiber splicing can be done. And we're going to go in there and we're going to close the door to see if we can cut down the noise just a little bit. Okay, that's a lot better. As you can see, there's a long, narrow window that runs the length of the room. Cables that need to be repaired or spliced can be dragged through the window to be worked on. This is also where I get to see cross-sections of submarine cable for the first time. This stuff is pretty remarkable and it comes in a variety of forms depending on how it's going to be deployed. For deep water deployment where the danger of a ship dropping an anchor on it or the likelihood of a fishing net getting snagged on the cable is relatively low, a fairly thin unarmored cable is used. But in shallower water, where crushing incidents are more common, a heavy armored cable is deployed. I mean, take a close look. This cable has four layers of armored strands, the largest of which are about the diameter of a pencil. Okay, we're back on the fantail again, watching as they get ready to deploy the robot. This thing is absolutely amazing. It's controlled by an operator up there in that room who uses a joystick like a video game controller to guide the robot make it do whatever it has to. It gets dropped on a cable to the bottom where it either makes itself neutrally buoyant or it crawls around on the bottom on tractor treads. It has thrusters that it uses to control its position. It's got a whole bunch of digging tools including this huge rock saw that looks like something out of Roger Rabbit and these giant grappling arms that even though they're so huge they're so sensitive they can pick up a fragile strand of unarmored cable or they can tear apart a rocky outcropping that they need to go through. This thing can operate in depths up to 6,000 feet. We're now down on the second deck of the ship where the cable tanks are located. These tanks, three of them in all, are about 50 feet in diameter and about 11 feet deep. They hold about 1,200 miles of cable and they weigh about 1,700 tons. That's 34 million pounds in case you're keeping score. The cable's fed into the tanks from the main deck through these slots where it's coiled by hand, a process that takes days. And this stuff is really, really heavy. The cable is then pulled from the tanks as it's needed and then fed down the stern deck of the ship on those racks for deployment. There's no question about it. This is absolutely one of the coolest tours I've ever had the honor to take. Glad you were able to join.